What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Silencio Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. <laughs> going very well indeed. We had to give that old start to the podcast a, a second uh, a restart there. So we're back. We're not going to slump. We're not going to slump. The not boys like, are slumping a little like bit. Not like some people. Yeah, you right. know. The Braves, who we've expected to just win 125 games, break all sorts of records. Never lose a series again. They've lost four out of five. Lost four right. out of five. Uh, one in three coming out of the All-Star break. A disappointing series loss to the Chicago White Sox. Those damn AL Central teams that suck give us problems. We really struggle. Yeah. I mean, at least we beat Cleveland in a series, but... um, The Royals? The Royals, right? I guess the A's are not Central, but still like shitty AL teams. feels like they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is strange, but, you know, the Braves are going to lose a series to someone they shouldn't at some point. So it was bound to happen, whatever. Uh, I'm not... You know, I'm not freaking out. I'm not overly concerned about anything. This was going to happen. The Braves are going to regress a little bit. They were going to go through a rough patch. Um, but it's still a hell of a run. 11 series in a row where uh, the Braves were victorious. They hadn't lost a series since, like, the end of May. So um, coming back down to earth a little bit to start out the All-Star break, but there's no reason to panic. They still have a nine-and-a-half game lead on Philadelphia. But those Phillies, Adam, are charging. Winners of four coming out of the break. Are they? Mm-hmm. I did not realize that. Yeah. So they they four straight take, I should say winners of four straight. So they've surpassed the Marlins. In yeah, the they're, standings. they're a game up on the Marlins. The Marlins have come out uh, really slumping. They were slumping before the break. They have lost six in a row. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we we always knew coming into the season. You know, everyone squawked about the Mets, but the Phillies have always been the team that scares the most. I saw that it looks like Nola's starting to look like mm-hmm. Aaron Nola. They still have Wheeler. They've got some good arms. They got some power bats. Schwarber is, you know, he eats up in June and July, and that's what he's doing again. Yeah. So they're a team to be reckoned with, but you know, nine and a half game lead, that still feels pretty good. They still feel fine. We um, don't we don't need to win, you know, twelve straight games. We just need to get back to winning series. Yeah, and you know, tough matchup going uh, up against Arizona in this series that we're in the middle of right now, at least as of this recording. And a uh, wild game last night. We lost sixteen to thirteen. Austin silly. Riley. Yeah, it was, it was silly. Austin Riley hit two home runs. I think he had like seven RBI. That's like one of those, like you see those tweets all the time that they're like, this game is drunk. Yeah. That's what that game was. That game was, was like. wasted. That was, game was blackout drunk, naked in the middle of the street. It, it was just absolute nonsense left and right. Braves put up a five spot in the first. Diamondbacks answer with the five spot. Any reliever that came in for the Braves seems to give up a three-run home run. Austin Riley would answer with another home run. Yeah. It's just absolute chaos. Um, yeah. One you would like to pull out. You know, your offense scores 13 runs. You should win. You win those ball games generally. But, yeah. um, you know, this is 2023, Graham. Not two. Yeah. I was about to say two, but it's 2023. <laughs> it is. And uh, weird things happen. Let's talk about – it's not even really an elephant in the room. But, you know, one thing we noticed, we talked about a little bit – um, in the last game of the year, or not the game of the year, game before the All-Star break, was Bryce Elder struggled against Tampa Bay. You know, quality offense. He struggles again last night, big time, against Arizona. Um, gave up like six or seven runs, leaving a lot of pitches up. A lot of balls hit hard. And as we've talked about multiple times with Elder, the key for him is that he's going to get hit. He doesn't have blow it by his stuff. But the thing is, is that he induces, even when he doesn't induce weak contact, it's usually on the ground. These balls were flying all over the ballpark last night. 
Um, and, you know, it's only two starts in a row that were bad. And this one was even worse than the Tampa Bay start. But are you at all worried about Bryce Elder? Well, I think with Bryce Elder, like Bryce Elder and bad defense is a really bad combination. And that's kind of happened in both of those games. But obviously, but there were a number of hits that were sure, like, that sure. were, were, were hit well that the defense couldn't do anything about. I understand that. Yeah. So like, people have figured him out a little bit. Might be time for an adjustment. Um, two in a row is not great. We'll say that much. But you know, maybe he's coming off the euphoria of being at his first ever All Star break. Wasn't totally locked in. Maybe he's gotten a little comfortable. Like we need we need Bryce to be back to that. You know, the Bryce who got placed in AAA at the beginning of this season for Dylan Dodd right. and Jared Schuster. Right. Like, he's got to remember, hey, just because you're an all-star doesn't mean you've made it, yeah. as, as strange as that sounds. And it's really just the last couple starts. Like, he hadn't had, before these two starts, he hadn't had a bad start uh, since middle of June against Washington. Uh, we're getting five runs in that game. So, I expect him to still bounce back. But, but, but this happening this late in the season... Set off my alarm bells a little bit where I was, you know, the need for another starter. I know Max Fried is closer to returning, but um, it still kind of worried me. I was just like, hmm. But, you know, the good news about this is, I would say, like, is that Elder has time to get his shit together. Soroka is going to start the game, I believe, uh, on Friday, which is great. That's correct. Um, He appeared in the bullpen the other night, which I thought was weird, but uh, apparently Snicker just wanted to get him some work. Uh, before he before he started at the major league level again, so that's that's fine. But I, I think the the good news for the Braves right now is that Elder's got time to figure out his stuff. Charlie Morton has really been great recently. He's been locked down. Looks like Charlie evolved. Team spin, Charlie, spin rate's great, and he's improved. You know, he doesn't have the worst road ERA in baseball anymore. I think he's recovered. <laughs> he's recovered from that injury, and he's finally having a normal full season. And doing it at a pretty high level is very impressive what he did against, particularly against Tampa Bay. Uh, the start, uh, I don't know if it was last week or week before, but um, I think it was last week. But he looked amazing against that offense, who we know we all know is really good. So Charlie looks good. Strider looks good overall. Had a rough start. Had a, Saturday. Had a rough start Saturday, um, which we saw, which was annoying. But like overall, you feel okay. But you would like Elder to get his stuff together um, and. Max Free needs to come back as soon as possible, you'd argue. And it sounds like he's kind of – I think he's kind of lined up to start next week. Yeah, I think he's going to start, what, with Rome soon? Well, he's got a five-inning stint with Gwinnett either like today or tomorrow. Okay. I heard he was going to start with Rome. I think we have the Red Sox next week. Is that accurate, Graham? You want to check the schedule real quick? check the schedule for you. Make sure what's in my head is accurate? Yeah. I could have sworn he was going to Rome. I saw some some – That was like a week ago, Bo. I thought he, was going, he went to Gwinnett first. I thought he was going to Rome. He went time. to Gwinnett and then Rome. We're back okay, in Gwinnett. Now he's going back to Gwinnett. Okay. Yeah. That was just like Gwinnett was on the road type of thing. Gotcha. So I'm pretty sure we had the Red Sox next week. Graham's taking a while to look it up. I accidentally clicked on the – I just did it again. I accidentally clicked <laughs> on the full MLB schedule instead of the Braves schedule. Uh, the Wicker is doing the thinking right now. So the Red Sox, Adam, you are correct. We got Milwaukee after this series against Arizona and then the Red Sox after that. So – Max Fried seems to be lined up to make his comeback during that Red Sox series. Which so, I think is fine. I mean, the Red Sox have a decent, uh, decent offense, but not they, ha- they haven't been like an amazing team this year. So I think it's a good opportunity for him to go in. I kind of like him going. He's going to be on the road at Fenway, hostile environment. Fans are always into it, regardless of how good or bad the Red Sox are doing. So like, yeah, 
This is a veteran. This is a guy that won Game 6 of the World Series for you. Throw him back out there. Feet to the fire. Let's go. Bit of a sidebar here for you, Graham. Yeah. But <clears throat> speaking of the Red Sox, Red Sox are in last place, correct? Right, but they're like four or five games over 500. Well, that's fine, but they're still like, they're kind of out of the playoff picture, correct? To a degree. I mean, I don't think, they're not totally out of it yet. Um, technically, the Red Sox are only two and a half games back of the last wild card spot right now. So, eh, that's iffy. So we're like two weeks away from the trade deadline at this point. Correct. I would like to see one of those deals where we're in Boston next week. And we get a Boston player. We've got Adam Duvall and Kenley Jansen. They switched jerseys mid-series. They come on over to the Braves side. So let me ask you this. Kenley Jansen, I, I get. Right. Duvall? Yeah. I mean, I know he performs well with the Braves, but like, it's not. I don't really need Adam Duvall, uh, honestly. Right-handed bat. We, we saw it. I mean, he was absolutely crushing it at the beginning of this season. Yeah, he hasn't done shit since. Like Jorge Soler. Well, he got hurt. Yeah, but he's he, coming he, back. He struggled to he, come he back. He has been going well enough recently that mm-hmm. I picked him up in fantasy baseball. Okay. It's and a I, classic Graham drops Adam Duvall. Yes, exactly. And Adam picks I, him up, I think he he's trending well. back. And like we saw like in the Saturday White Sox game where Rosario's defense kind of cost us that game. Fair. So let's just bring the boys back home. You could probably get them cheap. They're both on one-year deals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we're having to trade Vaughn Grissom. Maybe you trade Dylan Dodd, something like that. Right. You know who I'd also love to get, who they probably will not give up? I don't know if you've heard of this kid, uh, Brian Bellow, who pitches for the Red Sox. I've heard the name. Don't know anything it's about fantastic. him. fantastic. He's just been – he's like – he consistently works into the uh, seventh inning, it seems like, every start. And he's got a three six zero ERA, a 1-2 whip. Um, but like, if he's a young pitcher, like, he's a young pitcher. They won't want to get rid of him. No. But like, like in June, in May, he had a two six seven ERA. In June, he had a two one four ERA overall. Um, he's been outstanding, like pretty much the whole year. I doubt they're going to want to get rid of him. Uh, he's only twenty four years old. But I mean, this this kid is outstanding. If you, I would, even though he's not like a proven like veteran guy that you want to get at the deadline that can bolster your rotation, like some of the guys I was talking about a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, your Giolitos, your Strowmans. This guy has been excellent all season, and I don't know what it would take to get him. Probably. So then you're throwing in a Vaughn Grissom to get a guy like that. Yeah, and I would be okay with that because, honestly, Jansen solidifies your bullpen. He's having another good season. Duvall's coming back, and, you know, at the very least, he's going to provide you with good offense. <laughs> I mean, excuse me, defense. And he's got, you know, power for days still, even at his you know, advanced age. And then Brian Bello has been a consistent as hell starter every single start it feels like he turns in a, a, a quality not just a quality start in the traditional sense but just like going going deep into games six six and two thirds seven innings seeming like every single time out so he hasn't not gone six innings since the end of may mm. so he, he's, he's just been great yeah i mean which that seems like a guy they would want to hang on to but every everybody has their price yeah, but also they're only two and a half games out of out of the running, so you gotta wonder. Yeah, is Bo- that a viable Boston, option? you got you got to think that they go for the playoffs. So who knows? Um, you got to identify your teams now. I think I still think the Mets will be sellers. Mets will definitely be sellers. Padres, I, th- I think, are up there as well. The now. Cardinals are also sellers. Cardinals. I don't know if there's anyone on St. Louis that is interesting. Their whole rotation blows. I'm not into trying to bring Adam Wainwright back here. For Flaherty. A, Flaherty's kind of getting back together, but he's had a rough year. Um, uh, Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. 
you could, the thing is also, it's like even if a guy's struggling in one location, doesn't mean he can't pick it up in Atlanta potentially. So um, I'm sure AA is uh, kicking the tires on all sorts of deals. Just remember any rumors you see, and like, you know, I've seen the Jansen Duval rumor. Just forget it. I mean, that one I could believe because, like, they do kind of go back to, like, the same guys. We, we know I, those guys. I could see Duvall coming in for a third time. I could see Jock coming back. But, like, there's names out there that you're never going to hear until it happens. Right. So, any rumors, just take them with a grain of salt. Yeah, I still, you know, I still hope Anthopolis makes an impact trade um, that we're not expecting in the rotation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I think with Elder doing what he's doing right now, questions are going to start. If he doesn't bounce back in his next start, questions are really going to start picking up about does he have the stamina to go the rest of the season and into October. I mean, it's, that's going to become a, a prevalent question if he if he continues to struggle. Yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly feel more comfortable with an arm. I think the thing you got to remember is can we roll into October if everything stays the same with the rotation of Freed, Morton, Strider, Strider. Yeah. yeah, we can rock with that, and yeah, then and that's, then that's see cool. what either Elder can do, or Kyle Wright, or Soroka. Like, there's a few like maybe one of those guys gets it going, right? But, but would you... I be more comfortable having a guy who's definitely there? Of course, yeah. Would you but I'm more... I'm more concerned about the bullpen mm-hmm. personally. Yeah, with Nick Anderson going on the injured list, that's yeah. a big deal. Um, Colby Allard, who I know was making starts, is also on the injured list. So. Uh, yeah, I, there hasn't been a season where Anthopolis hasn't made a move for a bullpen guy. It's going to happen. We're yeah. going to get somebody to yeah. come in here to help solidify the bullpen. It just depends on who it's going to be. Right. Um, but like, we don't need a ton. No, we don't, need, don't a need a ton. You don't. You don't need to go trade for Shohei Otani. Even though I know we waxed poetically about that last week, you don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, we pick our game up against Arizona tonight. Tomorrow is the businessman special twelve twenty game. One, El Senor, Jeff DeDelore, the historian who has come on the show many times, is going to be uh, going to the game tomorrow, potentially. I wanted to go with him, but unfortunately, I have uh, some pressing music business i got to take care of tomorrow. So, not going to be able to go, but if you can get yourself out of Truist Park, it might be a good hooky day for you. I like the businessman special. Me too. I never go, but I like turning it on in the middle of the day. Of course. Every now and yeah. then. It's, you know? there's, there's something uh, lazy and romantic about it. And then you got your night off. Sure. You know, you already got your Braves in. Yeah, you, you can do whatever you, you want. You don't feel obligated to watch them. No. So that's always exciting. Sure. You can do other things with your life, believe it or not, other exactly. than watch baseball. Um, that, that reminds me. So I, I had lunch today with um, one of my colleagues mm-hmm. who is a father. And we haven't seen each other in a couple of months. And, you know, he's always been a big Braves guy. He's Him and I tailgated at Turner Field back in the day. So he, he said that he has he has two kids now, and he, he was very excited because his oldest kid, who's now five years old, for the first time, you know, his, like the last like three years, he's been watching Braves games with him, mm-hmm. but he's been too young to like appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But now like he is all over the Braves, and you know what did it? What's that? The home run derby. Really? He watched the home run derby, but no Braves were in the home run derby. But still, it's just like that action, right? I think for like people that aren't as like into baseball and like they don't care about spin rates like you, sure, that's or what whip. gets or, or whip exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the things that actively turn a lot of other people off to the sure. game. <laughs> that's what gets like the younger generation into it. Yeah. So I mean, that's just like a classic father son thing to do as well. So right. he was just like stoked. I asked him who his favorite player is. He said Sean Murphy. The kid's play, favorite player, yeah, Sean Murphy. Yeah. He fucking crushes balls, man. Well, he probably watched the All Star game, but he saw Sean Murphy in the All Star game right, as well. Right. You know, throwing runners out a second. Doing so work. 
that's uh you know that's kind of what sports is all about in yeah. general getting a bond yeah so you so. know yeah i know i agree we've always talked about this in sports like the the thing that we appreciate about sports is not i mean we appreciate the sports sport itself but the foundation is the experience we have with it with those we care about over just like it's a game and we're watching the game like there there's emotional connection built into to the sport that's a cool story Speaking of my emotional connection, one of my emotional connections to the game, my mom was uh, very upset watching the Home Run Derby last week. She's like, this is a load of bullshit. And uh, she sent me all these texts like, there's a split screen thing going on. I don't understand what the hell is happening. And I talked to her yesterday on the phone and I was like, so you didn't like, you know, the split screen, uh, you know, showing where the ball lands and the batter on the other side of the split screen. And she was like, I didn't see where the ball landed. And she's like, I didn't see where the little children were going out to like go catch the ball or anything. She's like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I was like, you must've been watching like a bootleg ass feed or uh-huh. something where it must've been, she was like, it just, it was just like uh, one side was the batter hitting and the other side was like a graph or, or a computerized thing showing where the ball was going. So she's probably watching like the ESPN two sabermetric. That's, thing. I think she was watching yeah. that. And I was like, you must've been watching ESPN two. She's like, I don't know what I was watching. I think she was watching on her MLB TV. And uh, maybe that's what they were showing. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, she was very upset. She was like, what have they done to the Home Run Derby? I was like, I don't... What have you done to the Home Run Derby? Like, what are you watching? Because you enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. I saw, like, the real thing. with the. You know, I, I was like, I saw the kids running around. I saw where the balls were landing. And it was, it was just kind of funny uh, how misled she was. So... Uh, a, a stupid, you know, non sequitur there, but it's, it's just kind of, kind of funny to me. Sure. And she has struggled. She didn't like go try to watch another feed. She has cable. She could have turned on ESPN. Well, you assume it's only going to be on one channel. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. You. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on no. Vivian's side here. Yeah. No. 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 For sure. But she I just was, chose it, the wrong channel. She just chose the wrong channel. But it was just really funny because I got all these texts from her. I was just like, I, I don't know. I'm about to see the same thing you're yeah. watching. But Maybe. when I talked to her, like it became clear that she was on the wrong or a different feed. Right. Right. Yeah. We're not going to panic. Right, Graham? No, we're not going to panic. There's things to watch out for. We have a couple holes to fill. A couple holes to fill. I still think we need a backup infielder. I don't know where Adrian's I, a is. Thousand, I'm, a gl- I'm glad you brought that up. I 1,000% agree with you. And uh, one of the reasons I really agree with you is when you get into August, you got to start giving guys days off every once in a while. I know Snicker likes to run everyone in the ground, Bobby Cox style. I get it. But having a good utility infielder, would be nice. Maybe something happens at the deadline that way. I know Culberson got uh, into the one of the games the other night. He got a hit. Yeah. Um, so use. I don't know. Start using him every once in a while. Every every fifth day, maybe give. I'd like to give Austin Riley a day off. Give Olson a day off. If we have a good lead, I'd like to see a six man rotation. I, I, don't I don't. I don't. I'm not right now. I'm not interested in that. And I'll, and the reason why is that I think it makes you soft going into the, into October. I'm just concerned. Obviously, Elder and Strider. Like Elder, I'm fine with giving a bump. Like if you're going to do it for somebody, do it for him. But the but then that you're affects just the rest of everyone the guys. an extra day. I know. And I, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing. You have a if anything, you have a 40 year old in the rotation. You have a, a couple of young kids who have never pitched this long. That's the thing. That's just yeah, yeah. Maybe you do that, but I, I agree. Like either give Culberson a little more time on the field or. Go find someone who you feel more confident in. But I don't know if like ro- if rosters get expanded at one point, probably not till September. But like, but remember, like it's no longer like the September call-ups of old. It's like the roster is more limited. You don't have forty-five guys right. in the in the dugout anymore. Because I mean, we obviously still have Vaughn Grissom, who you're comfortable running out there. I wouldn't be opposed to. All right, here's a question for you. 
for the playoffs, Von Grissom is your backup infielder. Something happens to someone, he can come in. Over a Culberson. Probably. Over a Culberson. Although Culberson's clutch, man. Culberson's Although clutch. that was like, you know, we're talk- we're thinking about 2018 Charlie Culberson. Right. Like, how is he now? He hadn't had an at-bat since October before the other night, you know? Yeah. It's, I'm it's like tr- Von Grissom's doing work offensively, at least, in Gwinnett. It yeah. just comes down to defense. I, I'd want to see him some in September, and I wouldn't, tr- I wouldn't trust his defense for a second in October, though. That's the problem. Well, who knows? Maybe he's made some strides. It's been a couple months since he's been up but there. But Shoemake, we know, is a good defender. You need to... Yeah, I would rather get a good... Def- yeah, now, that, now that we're talking through this, I'd rather have <laughs> a good defender as my utility guy over an over a, uh, offensive guy because the offense is already good enough Yeah, as if, it is. If everyone's healthy, I would take Shoemake for his glove and then um, the kid we just called out for the outfield, Forrest Wall, mm-hmm. who he had like 45 stolen bases in triple ale. So like that can be good for you, pinch you running situation. Pinch runner. Sure. Um, no, no, I think don't actually, I have no disagreement there. with yeah. that. Um, Eddie Rosario, what the hell is he doing on defense right now? I mean, we've always known he's kind of limited out there, but the thing that is, is funny to me about Rosario is that he tries to make these heroic plays sometimes. And it winds up biting us in the ass in the, in the white Sox series. He tries to make a sliding catch he has no hope to make at all. And the ball gets by him. Chaos happens. If he just plays it normally, it's a single. Everything's right. okay. Um, and he continually makes bad decisions like this. I remember a game I went to earlier in the summer against Los Angeles where he made a similar play in the outfield. And it was like, why the hell is he trying to be it? I mean, I appreciate the effort, but why are you trying to be a hero when that's not your game like it's okay to play it safe when you're not andrew jones and maybe that is part of what makes a good defender a good defender is like knowing when to back off of course and just take the smart play i mean think about michael harris have you ever can you think of like more than three times or maybe even one time that michael harris has misplayed a ball where he didn't try to be a hero at one point and it was like or he did try to be a hero at one point and it, it bit him in the ass yeah i mean, you can't think of that right it's like in disc golf or ball golf Sometimes just take your two putt. You don't always need to run it. You don't have to be aggressive. You know, a single is not going to kill us, but those triples and, you know, turn into something worse. That, that's where you get hurt. Yeah, for sure. So, Graham, does that pretty much wrap us up on the Braves? I think so. I don't, there's not really too much else to talk about. I mean, you know, we've, we've gone through, you know, we can only wax poetic so much about Acuna and how, you know, the ascension of Matt Olson offensively from a power standpoint, you know, we, we, there's only so much you can talk about every week, how great Sean Murphy is, blah, blah, blah. I do have a letter from a, a user. Okay. You, Graham. User mail. Yes. User mail came in via USPS. Wow. Earlier, earlier today, actually. I, I, the only two people I can think of would be either Hugo or Mark Andre sending a, a, a letter. I don't know if this guy has an uh, official name with us. Really? It's exciting. Uh, this is Sam from East Atlanta. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not so much a letter as just a point. And he says that Graham's point on trading Michael Harris is one of the silliest ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't even remember your point. What did you say? So we were talking about if you were going to trade for Shohei Otani, Michael Harris had to be included. Sure. I don't know how that why was that the silliest thing in the world. Call Sam right now. I think just because <laughs> easy. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. It's a one-year almost... rental. I think that's the problem. Well, I, I understand that, but the thing is, it's like 
it, it comes down, you know, it's a question, right? Do you go all in to win another championship right now, even though you could potentially win without Otani, but Otani kind of solidifies it because not only is he going to provide you consistent offensive production, he's going to start games for you. And, and imagine a rotation of Strider, Otani, yeah. yeah, no. Freed. It's unstoppable. I get it. And then I get it. But... I would do that. Why is it so silly? He has no reason why it's silly. He just says it's silly. you got to back up. Your point, I'm sure Sam. he could back it up if if we needed him to. Um, well, well, next time you you see him or talk to him, or as he's a part of the Atlanta Zone text thread, I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call him out, Sam. I'm calling you out. Tell me why it's so silly that you wouldn't want to like guarantee a championship over not. Well, I think that word guarantee, Graham. You can't guarantee anything. You can't guarantee anything, but it gives you and then you're trading, it gives you a better chance. You're trading a guy. That Would you has, not say it, it doesn't give you a better chance? Well, of course it does. But then you're. Trading a but guy. You're sacrificing offense, a defense on in center. And Anthopoulos has never sacrificed the future like that. No, he, he's a he's a big believer in the future, and he's that's in one of the reasons for the long term. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why he's one of the better GMs in the yeah. baseball. Yeah. So I mean, I get it, but I would have liked to have heard why I'm so silly. And okay. that's probably the reason why. We'll follow up next week. We'll follow up next week, yeah. with Sam. Uh, that's fair. That's the Braves. Adam, there's this new quarterback documentary on Netflix. I know we talked about it a little bit over the weekend, but have you watched any more? About two episodes. Two in. episodes in. So I only watched the first one. Do you? Is there anything else with Mariota that you're seeing that's interesting? Because I feel like the focus of the show is mostly Cousins and Mahomes, and Mariota's like uh, the redheaded stepchild. He gets like eight minutes of screen time, whereas they get. 25 respectively. Yeah, I mean, they're they're showing Mariota, I, I think, and I've seen just like a few teasers that they're gonna like kind of play up the end of the season a they lot They really more. are. I, after the first one, they were like, I remember they, they showed a shot of his knee, like a close-up of his knee, and he was like, I thought I was making the right decision for, but, you know, editing, with editing, you can do anything. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he seems like a really good dude, and he is a good athlete. Like, sure. You, you can't deny that. He's like, right. certainly an NFL quarterback, potentially be a starter for some teams. Like, like the Falcons last year. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't think that he was a bad choice to be our starter. I hate the way he goes out, so maybe we'll learn a little bit more. Yeah. I'm sure some people have watched this entire thing and we're acting like it's a week to week right that gets released. Well, on Netflix, you know, they dump everything immediately. I, I prefer the old school method of just like uh, a weekly release. I mean, I also like watching things in succession, but at the same time, I don't know. There's something there's something romantic about the whole idea of you get one episode, you get to chew on that, and then you wait for next week's episode. Yeah, but you know, it's like kind of like this show. I think in general, it's always good to humanize athletes, and that's what these shows are doing. Like Mariota was having his first child, during right? His and it opens time. with that in the first episode, right? Yeah. Um, so that's just kind of good things to see and know. Um, yeah, and and that was interesting too because like think about like with Mahomes right signs one of the the, the, the biggest deals. I mean, he was the highest paid player in the NFL I think before they won the second Super Bowl, and Cousins signed a huge extension with Minnesota. Mariota was playing, you know, for four or five million dollars last year. It's not like he's making. I mean, which obviously is an insane amount of money, but at the same time, in relation to Mahomes and uh, Cousins, it's, it's fucking chump change. So. You know, with a kid on the way, with his NFL future kind of in limbo a little bit because, you know, it was so obvious to the rest of us that he was kind of, you know, an intermediary solution to a long-term problem for the Falcons. So it's like this was a big deal for him with a kid on the way to make a really big impact last year that he didn't seem 
you know, to make, and he hadn't started in a long time. I mean, remember this guy was a top ten pick by Tennessee and flamed out and got benched. The biggest thing that people will remember Marcus Mariota for is throwing a touchdown to himself in the playoffs that one year, where the ball deflected off a guy, he caught it, and ran into the end zone. I mean, so I mean, this is a guy that's dealing with a uh, tumultuous future potentially because he doesn't have the financial security of a guy like Mahomes and Cousins. And I wish they spent more time with Mariota because I think there's more drama there. Well, to keep me. in mind, you've watched one episode. I've watched one episode, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it, I was like, where's Mariota? The whole time I'm wondering, where's Mariota? It did bring back some frustrations, like the way we lost that first game. The with Saints the, game. The I, was fumble. Like, I was just like, God. And, you know, they sh- the, the first clip they showed was him run- getting like a 15-yard gain on the ground. I was like, and it just the, yeah, you're right. It brought back all the, the memories. The Saint, of, I mean, well, sorry, not St. Louis. Uh, the L.A. Rams game where we yeah. we almost won that game. We should have won that. We came back. We were down. I think we were down twenty eight to three, huge, and almost yeah. came back. So uh, it reminded me of how close we were to actually being a playoff team last year. And yeah. there were just so many moments like that where Mariota didn't make the the good play. So like, I could see Ritter and Mariota being similar players, similar skill sets, but we just got to hope that Ritter has more of that clutch gene than Mariota does, where he's not going to fumble on a game-winning drive. No turnovers so far for Desmond Ritter, which I know it's only four games, yeah. but I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, you know, it was funny, too, watching that. You know, that, I've only seen the first episode, like I said, but watching that, and they, they showed when Ritter was drafted, right, and the, and the pro comparison that one of the analysts made uh, during the draft coverage was Mariota, and they showed that in the Netflix documentary. And that made me seize up a little bit because I was like, oh. I mean, we, we see what Mariota is, so it's like that's not a great – but it's also one guy's opinion, so who gives a shit. Right. But, um, and there, there was a moment where, like, yeah. Mariota, like, year two was actually, like, looking really good, and things yeah. just kind of went south. Yeah, so. things just went south like for some if reason. He, if he has a similar skill set, but, you know, like I said, that gene where you're going to be that closer – yeah, and I think you gotta have that dog in you. Maybe Mariota doesn't have that dog. I don't know if he does or he doesn't. I mean, I think they really respect Ritter's leadership. Everybody and, raves about it, which I haven't. I never heard that about Mariota. You know, I a lot of people talked about how good of a guy he was, and you know, good of a guy. Yeah, yeah, and like, like you're a good guy. I'm a good guy, but am I a leader? I don't call you the ultimate leader. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think I'm the uh, ultimate leader either. But I don't think you're a loser. Sure. So I'm a Mariota. I, 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 you're a Ritter. No, right? I'm not saying I'm, I'm I'm a Ritter either. Like we're talking about, like a guy who, if he isn't in football, is going to be like a CEO of a company, something like that. Sure, that's what I'm hoping Ritter is. Right, and I think I'm middle management, Graham. You're middle management. I'm middle management too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We are. We are the uh, Marcus Mariotas. At the end of the day, we just want to come home, clock out. And podcast, right? That, that, that's it. That's it. That's that's all we care about. And I think that the you know the big thing we got to watch for Ritter this year is how. And I think we saw a little bit of this last year, but how does he handle adversity? Right. I mean, we 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 looked at the Saints game, for example, right, where he was that was the first game of his career, and he was awful throwing the ball. Deep pass sucked. Short pass sucked. He threw for like a hundred and ten yards or something, and most of that came in the second half. And every week since that game, which was only three more games, but he got better and better. And he also played against the, tough, you know, the toughest defense in the league and, and on the road in Baltimore. We, you know, we were in that game the whole time, and he was struggling, but he, he got better. 
And, you know, he really blew the doors off the Cardinals and played well against Tampa Bay in the last game of the season, too. But it was one of those things where I, I just I was really impressed with his ability to learn. And you just saw week to week the reads were better. His communication was receiver. The timing with the receivers were better where he was throwing balls, with, you know, where the receivers were going to be as opposed to where they were. And I think that's one of the biggest things being an NFL quarterback is being able to, you know, or any a quarterback on any level, particularly in the NFL, anticipating where the receiver is going to go, knowing the routes, knowing the plays, feeling really comfortable. It felt like by the end of it, he was, and, you know, I think it was a really good, you know, litmus test and a really good gauntlet he ran through. So I'm excited to see what he does, you know, with a full year of being like, I am going to be the guy. It's on me. I have all these weapons. I got Bijan. I got Pitts. And uh, I got um, Drake London. Johnu Smith. Johnu Smith as my second tight end, too. Keith Smith as my fullback. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, also keep in mind, this is the longest that Arthur Smith has had a quarterback in his system in Atlanta. Correct. Matt you Ryan know, was one Matt year. Matt Ryan was one. So one offseason, one year. Yeah. Mariota, one offseason, one year. Now Ritter, one offseason, one year, and another offseason. Right. So, so <laughs> it's not a lot. He's but been it's in something. it, but then a year. So like, yeah. I, I think they should be very comfortable with each other at this point. And I really don't think that they would – roll into this season if they didn't you know their jobs are on the line at this point absolutely the, the, I, I, the hot seat is particularly on arthur i don't know as much about Fontenot, but particularly on arthur uh the, the hot seat is there and it's not even like it's not even like on fire right now but you know if we start like zero and two zero and three his ass is grass probably so he's got to feel really really confident about ritter going the season yeah i mean yeah you don't because we, we could have gone out there and traded for Derek Carr. We could have mm-hmm. gotten a guy like that if we of wanted course. to. Yeah. So they they chose. They said, "Nope, this is our guy. We're sticking with him." And I don't think that's just like something you do stubbornly. It's no, not like you don't. And it's not like me rolling with a fantasy player for four weeks because I drafted him high. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, and you're like, I this guy has to do something this is, for me. This God. is real life. This yeah. Is this real is real life. life. Yeah. Yeah. Like actual, you know, your livelihoods on the line. And, you know, one thing that really pisses me off, too, about the conversation around Ritter is that a lot of people bring up, oh, he's a third-round draft pick. How many third-round draft picks have done well in the NFL? And it's like, can we just evaluate the guy on his own regardless yeah, of his I draft think we're position? Done with that. I mean, great, you know, great Jarrett is a fifth-round fifth round pick. Yeah. He's finally got a running mate, potentially, and Dan Onyemata. Yeah, I so think like, Russell Wilson was a third-round so pick. I'm just so excited about this year, Graham. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because it's like Terry Fontenot has built this bizarre team in terms of the foundation of it, right? The foundation is skill position players, and that's what he's built. And it's a hell of an experiment, you know, through three three uh, three rounds of the or three years of the draft, right? And now he's also solidified the defense a little bit. What's going to come from it? Are we actually going to see progression this year? Are we going to? I mean, we haven't made the playoffs in five seasons. Is Are we going to actually get back there? And everyone. All the national people are taking the Saints solely on the fact that Derek Carr is their quarterback. And I hate that. I feel like it's a very uninformed, ignorant opinion. Are they, no, are they taking the Saints? Yeah, a lot of people are taking the Saints. Be, and, and no one's thinking about, and everybody goes, oh, Desmond Ritter or down in Atlanta. It's like, well, also, we had one of the best rushing attacks in the league last year. It's only gotten better with Bijan. We've improved our defense Demonstrably, we've taken a lot of Saints players from their. We've lines. taken a lot of Saints players from the Saints. Yeah, and it's like, so they didn't have a draft pick until like what the second or third something round? like that. So, 
and they didn't really do anything last year either. So, I mean, if anything, they've gotten worse. But, yeah, they've gotten Derek Carr, and Michael Thomas might be healthy finally. But other than that, like, and, and you know, Kamara is always a guy you got to worry about. And they're not going to be terrible, I don't think. But I'm, I'm surprised I don't at think how Kamara is the- going to be better than B. John Robinson. This point in that's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting, uh, interesting take. I, I, who knows, but I, I just think it's weird that everybody the the conversation points start solely with Ritter versus Carr, and they don't look at the, in, the you know the entirety of both rosters. These which I think is like silly. Bar arguments. Like, these are fun I, bar I'd arguments. I'd love to run into like a Saints fan and, and be like, "Why do you think you're going to be with Derek Carr?" And it's like, okay. What about your limited cast? I want to talk Kamara versus Bijan. That, that's like yeah, Kamara versus Bijan is an interesting conversation. Yeah, we got to see him play in an NFL snap, but yeah, I'm pretty confident at this point he's he's a weapon. He's absolutely a weapon. I mean, if he, if if he if Kyle Pitts can be just a dog too, yeah, and uh, like, uh, we need him to blow up this year. We do. We need the the chemistry between Ritter and Pitts and London to be outstanding. And obviously, even with Bijan in the receiving game, we gotta. One thing I've always criticized Arthur Smith about, maybe it's because he didn't have the weapons to a degree, not using the running backs enough in the passing game. I think utilizing running backs in the passing game is so important, and he just hasn't really done that so far in his tenure. But now he's got a guy that is a was a prolific receiver at a collegiate level. Now he's in the NFL. Can he also be a prolific receiver? Along with a prolific, you know, runner, um, you know, at the, at the NFL level, and and I think like there's no more excuses now to not get running backs involved with the Falcons under Arthur Smith in the passing game. No excuses, folks. No excuses at all. So here's what we have coming forward for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday, actually, was the start of camp for rookies. Okay, July 25th. Camp opens for veterans. August 8 to 9, we have joint practices with Miami. You always have joint practices with Miami. And then August 11th, preseason opener. That's coming up, Bo. August 11th is the preseason opener? Yeah, well, at, at Miami no. as well. So, wow. Okay. Um, you know, and that, that camp location, in case you're interested, Graham, is the IBM Performance Field. Flowery Branch, Georgia. That's what it's called. Yeah. I've I, been before. I didn't know that it had a name. I didn't know it. It didn't have a name when I went. Well, uh, when I was a silly sports reporter all those years uh, ago yeah, yeah, in 2014. Yeah. It's called Flowery Branch. Yeah, it's just training camp. Yeah. You know, I went and just I had my big legal pad. I was writing notes down. It was cool to watch like Julio just dominate these other cornerbacks in training camp. It was just Matt throwing to Julio pass after pass after pass. And it was like, oh, wow. Just why and like I was able to get really close, and I think there's something to be said if you go to an NFL game and you're sitting, you know, in the upper deck. Um, the action doesn't look as great as it does closer, which obviously makes sense. But watching these guys like really up close, and you're almost you're practically at field level, it's unbelievable how great of athletes they are. Let's make it happen this year, Graham. Let's go to Flowery Branch. We're going to Flowery Branch. IBM Performance IBM Field. IBM Performance Atlanta Field. Atlanta Zone. All right. We're going we're gonna to hand out our, our old business cards. No, we're not going to do that. We're no, just going to. We're not going to promote ourselves. We're just going to go. Well, yeah, for content. Okay. For the podcast. Okay. We'll look into it. At we'll least. watch Drake London and Kyle Pitts be like, look how great of athletes they are. And then we'll go 7 and 10 again and be like, yeah. No. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. All right. That's it. We're done. Our, our podcast recording pr- program keeps stopping for no reason, so it's time to wrap it up, Adam. All right, Graham. Until next time, 
Rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Thank you for listening. Hospitomacy. Hospitomacy.